Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study material taken from page 138 in Tractate Shabbat. On this page, there is material in which our sage has asked a very interesting question, one which should be of, of great interest to modern Jewish people. The sages in ancient times and rabbis in our day never tire of recommending the value of Torah study, talking about how how important it is that Jewish people study Torah as individuals, and also that the Jewish people itself devote serious energy to the study of Torah. We tend to think of it as a body of knowledge to be acquired, as something that you can learn the way that you would study a foreign language, and perhaps not learn every last word in the dictionary, but be able to speak and to read and to write and to be able to say that you speak that language or the way that you could learn to play a musical instrument well enough to perform or or to enjoy playing at home or the way you could master a sport well enough to play on a team. In other words, we tend to think of the Torah as something that you could that you could somehow devote yourself to sufficiently until you've mastered, uh, the same way you could learn some other academic discipline. But our sages had a more nuanced understanding of what Torah is. To them, the study of Torah was an ever-elusive goal. It was never something that you could finish, never something you could be done with, never something that you could simply put behind you because you've learned what there is to learn and now you could go on to the next thing. They, the concept of learning, kol ha-Torah kula, all of the Torah that there is, this was, this was a moving target, something you could work towards but never quite attain. The, the thought that you could say, I've, I've studied the Torah would have been something that made no sense to our sages. This was not a, a something you could do and be done with, but rather a lifelong obligation to seek uh, a quest, a, a spiritual and intellectual journey through the years of our lives. And therefore, they turned their attention occasionally to the question of whether we could fail this test. Would it be possible for the Jewish people to lose the knowledge of Torah? In other words, an individual occasionally forgets this or that thing, but their question is more profound. Can a, can a nation lose its moorings? Can it lose its connection to its intellectual heritage? Could, could the Torah ever be lost from Israel? And after all, if this is a boat on an open sea that is not tied to any, any harbor, then it should be possible to, for it to float away if people do not exert themselves to keep it in place. If, if Jewish people turn away from the Torah, would it be conceivable that there could be such a thing as the Jewish people, but without any specific knowledge of Torah. And so the passage I want to go over with you begins with a Baraita. A Baraita is a lesson from the period of the Mishnah that was somehow not included in the actual book called Mishnah. And it goes as follows. After the temple was destroyed in the year 70, uh, briefly, the Sanhedrin moved to a seaside town called Yavne. And in that place, the sages there said the following, Atida Torah 
Tishakach mi Yisrael. Eventually, they said, the Torah would be forgotten by the Jewish people. Shenemar hinei yamim ba'im neum Hashem, Elohim, v'hishlachti ra'av ba'aret, lo ra'av lalechem v'lo tzama l'mayim, hi'im l'shmoa et divrei Hashem. The sages quoted the prophet Amos, who said that the day would come one day, so says God, that there will be a famine in the land, but it will not feature hunger for food or thirst for water, but it will be a different type of hunger, intellectual and spiritual hunger of people who are hungry for the words of God. And then the prophet goes on and says this, V'na'u miyam ad yam, u'mitzafon ad mizrach, yishotetu levakesh et devar Hashem v'lo yimtza'u, that they shall journey from one sea to the next, and from the east into the west, the north into the uh, east, rather, and they shall seek the word of God, but they shall not find it. And our sages said that in this passage, the word Devar Hashem, the word of God, refers to Halakha, and that the words Devar Hashem, the word of God, also refer to the uh, world of prophecy, to the books of the prophets. All of this shall be forgotten. There won't be any prophets. There won't be any teachers of halakha. There presumably won't be rabbis. They'll just be Jewish people who are divested of their heritage. And then they give an example, a, a pathetic one at that. They ask, what is meant by the idea that they shall wander seeking the words of God? And they give the example of a woman who will take a loaf of bread that's truma. Truma is a special type of, of flour that is used to make bread that is only can only be eaten by kohanim, by priests but it has to be eaten in a state of purity. And this woman will uh, bring this loaf, which was made with truma flour, but which had been baked in an oven that had been contaminated with impurity, and she'll bring it to the Beit Knesset, or to the Beit Midrash, to the synagogue, or to the study hall. Leda im tmeyahi mevim. And she'll want to know simply if this, if this, loaf of bread that was made with flour which was pure and an oven which was impure, uh, whether it is uh, considered itself, this finished product, to be in a state of purity and therefore edible by Kohanim. It's an interesting question in its own right. Uh, the Gemara goes on to point out that it's a complicated question that could be answered easily or in a more complicated way, depending on the way the story is actually understood, but that's not that important for us. What is important for us is this this vision that the rabbis have of a day that could possibly come when uh, a woman with a relatively simple question, something that doesn't seem at all complicated or difficult or impossible to imagine, will bring it to the study hall, presumably a study hall in which sit students of Torah, and no one will have the intellectual wherewithal to answer the question adequately or correctly. Then the Gemara goes on in other directions, but the basic principle that the Torah could be forgotten, that it's possible to imagine a day in which, in which this, this elusive goal of mastering Torah, Torah will be unmet, in which there will be no Jewish people who are devoted wholly, intellectually and spiritually to the mastery of, of Torah in all of its fullness, not merely the written text of the five books of Moses, but all of the rabbinic traditions that attend to those books, the world of Midrash, the discussions of the Gemara, the laws of the Mishnah, the supplementary laws of the Tosefta, all of the commentaries written on all of the above books, to master all of this is a lifetime, and not only an intellectual challenge, but 
something that should provide the framework for spiritual growth throughout the years of an entire lifetime. This idea that it, that we could flop is is what gives the quest grandeur. If success were guaranteed, then then what would be the point of undertaking it in the first place? If if you who would run a race that you have to win, why would you care to train for it? If you can't lose, why bother? And therefore, by imagining a day when the Jewish people will lose their sense of Torah, our sages challenge all of us to ask ourselves to what extent we ourselves are devoted to the study of Torah. To what extent are we doing this for real? To what extent are we really devoting ourselves to seeking rather than simply to mastering facts or information or uh, memorizing laws? This is a way to live, not merely a body of information to master. And that's, I think, the idea that lies behind this passage on uh, in Tractate Shabbat on page 138b. Goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.